0: com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of com. coming to you live from the place of Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Tuesday evening, uh, February the 16th. Um, wanted to go ahead and get this one in uh, before, <laughs> before the first Duke Carolina game, maybe because I wanted to watch that game tomorrow night. I mean, I don't know. Um, no, not really. Um, I, I I don't know, have I ever moved the podcast because of something that I wanted to do like that I don't recall um, Doesn't mean it has never happened, just means that I don't recall it um, But anyway, we're, we're not here to talk about that We're here to talk about Virginia <laughs> basketball uh, We're going to focus again on uh, what's going on in the hardwood for the Cavaliers uh, Obviously a, a tough result on Saturday in Durham um, I have stories to tell and then um, we're—I'm sure—we're going to talk about traveling uh, or something. And then we'll talk about uh, Virginia's um, win last night uh, against the uh, NC State Wolfpack, a, a game that 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 at least one of us was supposed to be uh, in some pretty pretty solid tickets for. Uh, had the you know snow not derailed all kinds of plans or the the ice at that point but anyway before we get started let's let go around and introduce everybody and everybody tonight is uh out in Waynesboro. David Spence welcome back sir thank
1: you Brad for everything you just said <laughs> David Spence who Dave's on the board at who Dave's on Twitter
0: Cavs Corner also on Twitter Cavs underscore corner great place for our end gate updates content items and the occasional uh Woody Banner okay I <laughs> know I couldn't tell if that was if you were being sarcastic or if you were genuinely happy <laughs> with the way I kind of gave that synopsis
1: yeah, well, you know. <laughs> "Yeah, well, I don't know." <laughs> More depressed about the seating issue than anything oh. else. Let's move on. Okay,
0: so speaking of seating. Okay, so so Saturday, um, I, I go to Durham and and listen. I know Virginia lost a basketball game. We're, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, I wanted as it's my as it's my podcast. I want to talk about myself for a minute. In consequence. <laughs> uh, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That was just a minor detail on the on the on the day that was. Okay, so I was unaware of this, but apparently at at Cameron. I mean, the last few times I've gone, I sat on the floor. I guess this time just because everybody was staffing it um and maybe because of the I don't know the general hype around it. I don't know. I, I from talking to different people there it sounded like the 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 students were more ant for that game than they have been any game this season, which I find pretty interesting. Um but anyway, so I was I, I wasn't able to sit on the floor. One of the things I like about Cameron is is that you get to sit on the floor and very few venues do that anymore. Uh Tech used to be one, then they moved everybody upstairs. Um you you go to Cameron you get to sit on the floor. Well, I didn't. I get to sit up in the nosebleed. Well, not nosebleed. Excuse, excuse me. Uh, Cameron's so small that really there's no bad seat in that joint. Um, but I get to sit up in what they call the crow's nest, right? Which is you know they always show that during the uh, the game when they show that the announcers are up high, right? Okay. In order to get up into this thing, okay, there's like there's like this little uh, ladder that comes down from this little uh, what amounts to a, like a catwalk or like a walkway. Um, that that kind of runs the the length of the baseline, excuse me, the sideline, um, up above the the benches. Okay, so essentially across from where the media seating is, and there's this little there's this little ladder, and like I saw it like when I saw that out where I was seated, and I and I got to the to the joint, like got to to the place, I was like, man, because like it comes down literally in these in these two seats, and I was like, ah, oh, man, that's crazy. Like every time they've ever said that that Cameron was sold out, it never was because all three of these ladders like had Take people sitting. Yeah, exactly. There like there's people sitting there, right? All right, cool. So I get up there and I mean like I don't know I don't know how like guys like Ted Jeffries who are like six nine like I don't know how you do it, because like even me, I'm like six foot tall. Like I'm trying to like contort my body to like get into this little space, and then like once I was inside, it actually was a really good venue. I mean, it's a really good view. Uh, anybody who follows the Cavs Corner Twitter account, like I tweeted out a picture during the national anthem. Like it has a really good view of the floor. Um, actually, in some ways, it's better than the one you get at Virginia, because like in the, at the one at UVA, you're kind of like in the like you're you're in the end zone to the side, so you're kind of getting like a diagonal view of the floor. Um, but anyway. So at halftime, like, I was, like, six minutes to go, and I decided, all right, let me run the bathroom fast, because it's, like, a whole production. So I, I get down this ladder or whatever, and I get out there. I come back, and the ladder's gone. And, like, I thought, <laughs> I, I got up the steps, and I was like, where the hell? I was like, oh, I must be in the wrong little portal thing to pop out of the, uh, the concourse, right? And I'm like, no, this is right. And, I, like, I look. Okay, so I'm a, I'm a dummy, because, of course, they put the ladder up so that people can sit there, Dummy. <laughs> like what am dummy. So I had to watch the first like four minutes of the second half essentially scrout, like c- like crouching down in front of these fans up near this thing. Because like there was this one dude who was like, How can I describe this guy? Okay, he was he was wearing an old like you could tell he was like a fan of Duke in the early nineties and he's and he's hung on ever since. But like he's he's wearing a jacket from like the early nineties and he's got like all the final four pins. On like the on the jacket. So like, like a the, starter jacket. Oh no, no, it wasn't no no, it wasn't starter jacket, it was like a knockoff of that. Okay. No, even worse. Even worse. All right. So then he's like he's got like a what what you could imagine was like long, straight blonde hair back when he was younger, but now it's kind of grain. And he's he's got like the handlebar mustache that used to be blonde but is now grain, right? And so I get up there and I'm like I, I said, I need to get up into the into the media seating and he's like he's like, We'll get you to timeout, boss <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you the timeout, boss. And I like that this dude was just so Durham. I mean, it just I don't know. It was just funny to me. So anyway, so finally, you know, so then the process of getting downstairs. I, I think I may have made it to to the media room, literally, as Tony was walking in. Um, which you know, I understand just the, the the nature of the game and how crazy the ending was and everything. Speaking of said crazy ending and said game, um, Dave, have you gotten past it yet? Have you? I mean, I understand that jokes about yeah, Grayson yeah, Allen I mean, traveling will ha- will last until the end of time. You know that'll always be a thing. But like, have you gotten over the just sheer like like injustice of it all?
1: Yeah, I mean, I have. Man, I was I was surprisingly, even though I was upset afterwards, I wasn't as mad as you think I would have been. <laughs> just just because I thought we kind of brought it on ourselves a little bit the way we played it got lucky to be back in the lead um I mean I was angry about it give me don't get me wrong you, you know my whole conspiracy thing um but I, I just felt like we did enough the other 59 minutes and yeah you know, is that the right for 39 50, minutes
0: and, yeah I got uh, you. Yeah.
1: 58 seconds that you know we didn't we shouldn't have put them in that position um Even the fact that I thought we went a little early on our offensive set, I would have rather played for the buzzer ourselves. So, while I was angry because we should have won regardless, yeah, yeah, I'm still salty. But (laughs) what what good does it do me? We're forty two and eight over our last fifty ACC games. (laughs) Hey man, this is easy living. I'm not gonna bring, <laughs> I'm not gonna brain stress on myself.
0: No, I understand that. I, I think there are two schools of thought in 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 looking around. Uh, it just seems like there are two schools of thought right after the game, right? There are people who are just just uh, just dumbfounded at how how awful it is that Virginia, like, like we're not talking about a judgment call. I I, I kind of I, I do want I want to touch on this piece of it. All right, to me, and I'm just speaking for me, Brad Franklin of Sound Mind and Body. Okay, but like to me there's a difference between what happened in Blacksburg at the end of the game a no call right on Perantes yeah. driving right where you could say he did or didn't get fouled okay but like a foul is a is a is a judgment thing contact is judgment almost right very rarely is it i mean you have some fouls that are very clear cut but essentially a lot of those i would say the vast majority of foul calls are are something akin to a judgment call right it's, it's, it's a vantage point. It's, a, it's an opinion almost, right? The number of steps you take <laughs> is not an opinion. Just like the number of seconds on the clock of a predetermined period of time is not an opinion. And, like, the thing that gets me about it isn't that he, 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 didn't, he didn't just hold on to the ball and there was a bang-bang thing. He walked and then did that. He took three <laughs> steps, jumped, and as he – you could say either he – as he released the ball, he landed, or he barely landed just before. But either way, the fact that
1: – So a half or four steps. So right, exactly.
0: There. So either either he either he walked and got a shot off, or he walked, and then he walked again and got a shot off. So you can talk to me about contact. I mean, I thought watching the replay – I mean, watching it live, I, I thought he walked, um, but I didn't think he was up and down. I couldn't tell. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, but I did think I, from my vantage point because again I'm 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 above uh, the Virginia bench, okay. So he's off to my left, and so I saw the way I saw it. Was I really thought that that Allen cleared him out with his left arm. That, yeah, like, I thought it was pretty good. He was leaned into him, and he and it was pretty apparent to me that he leaned he, as Shayok leans into him. He 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 rotates that left arm and clears that space. Now I didn't think he actually bowed him in the face or anything, but I definitely thought he cleared the space. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it was a great shot. I understand, I understand the way the rules are written. Um, I saw something on Twitter tonight from, from Coach's um, uh, radio show where apparently he said he was in favor of using more video replay. I, I guess I, I look at it like this. The NFL does a very smart thing, which is if it's a scoring play, it's reviewed and confirmed, okay? If it's the end of the game and there's any doubt about anything that happened, you should be able to. You should be able to go to video replay. I understand that when they went to the video replay, the only thing they could look at was whether or not he got the ball off or not. So even if you walk him and you say, "Oh my gosh, he's got," I don't know, uh, a switchblade on his on his wrist, and he shouldn't have had that. But you can't you can't count that because you're not there to look at that. You're there to look only whether or not he had the ball at the time that time expired. Right. The fact that they can't look at everything in that scenario, I think, is just dumb. And yeah, think, look, the if the thing that, that comes out of this thing for me, it's that.
1: Yeah, I mean, the fact that you'd have to go to replay to see a guy take four steps is the bigger issue. That's There's three guys on the court, two who had a good vantage point of, of the drive. The third guy's kind of back and a, a little blocked off. The fact that the, no ref saw the travel live is more concerning to me than the fact you can't replay it. You shouldn't have to replay that. Your ref should at least be that competent. I mean, look, you, you, we understand, like, the physicality of the game changes as you go, as you get older, and as a as the levels progress. The athleticism of the players, but every player has to, can only take two steps. You should be able to officiate traveling at the, you know, a a rec league ref, a rec league ref should be able to step into a college game and at least get the travels
0: right. Well, I mean, um, I, here's the thing to me. To me, the thing is, I understand at the end of a game, there's a lot that you're trying to pay attention to. But if we can't get a travel right, then maybe it's time to put another ref on the floor. You know?
1: Yeah. I, I What's mean, replay going to do? Cause cause, <laughs> well, no, no, no. I will say this: you shouldn't though. have to get
0: that far. Even uh, the good thing about replay is, is if you're a referee, you're not worried uh, in that scenario. You're not worried about getting perfect live. You can make sure you're perfect. I mean, because and again, I'm not, and I know this might sound stupid, and I get that, but like I'm not advocating that we go to the replay all the time. I'm not saying you do that. I'm saying at the end. Of a game I think even the end of a half is not the same thing but I think at the end of a game when 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 it's when it's a situation like that where you have a buzzer beater sort of situation right that going to replay to make sure every I'm not saying you're gonna go on replay and you're gonna look and see oh in the background there's a dude who pushed that's a foul I'm talking about the thing the actual play to end the game and this goes back to I, I, I've had this rant. Uh, before uh, at fo- during football season or, or or before football season, where they would talk about like they didn't want to take like Doug Rhodes would come to the former uh, head of officials would come to ACC Media Day and he would talk to us about the different rule changes and we would always talk to him about things that, like you 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 just kind of commonsensically now with technology would want to do and I don't mean to go in as far as like um you know uh, a sensor in the footballs to see if they cross the plane I don't mean that but I mean something as simple as Uh, replay every play for everything in the (laughs) booth. Because we have the technology now, okay, where if a referee on the field says this was a hold and the replay shows clearly it wasn't, that a guy in the replay booth, we have technology. Like, we have things. Like, there's a guy in space right now, okay? There's a guy in space right now who's taking pictures of the Super Bowl, right? And he gets them onto Twitter. There's no reason that a referee can be in the booth watching the game with, a, with the replay thing with the little dial and being able to spin it back and watch it, and then buzz down and say, hey, Greg, you missed that. He, it was no holding. How yeah. many times do referees pick up flags and say there was no foul for holding on, on, on the play? Like we, we have the technology to put an eye in the sky and to use that to the advantage of the game. And we, in this day and age of college basketball, where, where you have these kids who are head-whipping head constantly, you know, like, yeah. they come around the screen, their head's whipping like any kind of contact and and people want to wonder why Anthony Gill doesn't get foul calls it's because he never acts like he got fouled because in in today's basketball world and I think I even said this on the board like not too long ago like you need to look like you got shot like you really do like that's the thing that's the referees are lazy and I don't mean that as any disrespect I'm saying that they call the thing that they think they saw
1: yeah I don't think Duke doesn't practice that
0: well I don't know <laughs> Okay. They do. They do. A, it's part of. I'm their not tr- willing look, to go that far, is. but I will say that there are plenty of players who understand. Well, listen, this is not a college basketball thing, bro. Like you watch oh, any no, level no, of sorry. basketball, like these kids are doing this, and they understand it because they're they're rewarded for it. You know, they understand that if they act like they got hit, they'll get a call. And it goes beyond gamesmanship. You know, like pretending you didn't touch a ball and seeing if the referee would give it to you, or pretending like you didn't foul a guy. Like we're talking about specifically doing something, acting a certain way to try to to entice an official, a referee, to give you a call. Like time and time and time again. Like yeah, I mean, it's.
1: I think one of the bigger issues. I don't want to go into a whole podcast about officiating because you know I kind of like that. Stuff, but what what doesn't make sense to me at this point, and I know college basketball is nothing near the money cow that college football is, but it's not going broke. You know, <laughs> you are not.
0: Oh, don't don't it, even don't get it twisted. March Madness is. Oh, a, it makes plenty is, of money, is, a pli- right? is a is a nice is a nice is a nice nice uh, addition to the books. The
1: the fact that at this point in time, with the expansion and everything else that's happened, that we haven't gotten to a point where um, every conference has their own officials that work their games makes no sense to me i mean look players are different you need to learn how teams play like that's one of the reasons y- you can go you know, have your officials on a road game whatever um but you know there's there's something about having your guys your acc guys who aren't also working a mac game the night before or two days later um I, you know there that's look, that's something I think needs to be dealt with. Um, no conference is going to sign up to do it if the other ones aren't willing to do it. Uh, but you know, if, if we're going to get to the point where the technology is like it is, where a play like that can be like, everyone has an opinion and it's out there on the internet in 30 seconds.
0: Right.
1: The conferences need to make themselves look better. Um, right. I've always been a big fan. You know, I've been a tenfold hat guy when it comes to Duke. Um, they're good every year, but the foul numbers are outrageous. Um, a lot of that has to do with reputation and, and talent and everything too. But you know, you want to call, you want to curb that. Have your own officials. You know, it's there's some things that the conferences can do to, to help with the quality of officiating. Um, this the the fact that we we look at the game now compared to where it was the first few weeks of the season. You know, it, I don't really know. I, now I kind of know what a foul was, but. I mean, we would have, everyone that played that game Saturday would have fouled out if that game was the first week of the season. It was just, you know, there's so much more physicality in the game. Um, But that's, you know, it's, it just, I hope we learned something from that game. I thought we, you know, we were definitely, we should have won that game. We should have won that game easily, but Surprisingly enough, I thought our defense played well enough to win it all day. If you tell me you held held Duke to 63 points or it wasn't 63 um, And we I would have figured we won so I'm I'm more disappointed in the way we came out and executed on offense and And kind of the uh, sense of urgency we had from the tip You know, that was a not a very good defensive team that we made look very good on saturday
0: Well, let me add this, too. Like, you mentioned about the ACC having its own officials. Tonight, Gene uh, Steratore, who is an NFL referee, is calling the game in in Richmond between VCU and Rhode Island along with Brian Kersey and Jamie Lucky. Now, the idea that they're doing an A-10 game, that's not really that big a deal, right? But the idea that you're doing any games that aren't ACC games, I mean, I wonder how much these guys are overworked. um, Yeah. You know? I mean, night in, night out. I mean, how many games in a week? Um, you, there are times I think where, where, whether it's the whether it's the degree of technology that we have to see the play, whether it's the amount of the echo chamber that exists in social media message boards and things about how bad a call was, uh, or maybe a combination of the two. But like something that happened in that end of that game shouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know we're willing to change college basketball to the point where defense is all of a sudden like basically hemmed in. Okay, um, you know chastised out. Even you've taken timeouts from coaches. You've you've revamped what the media rules are to make it a better game. You've done all these different things that we're willing to do. We're willing. We're clearly willing to change the game. Okay, um, but we're not willing to do this, and I think that's interesting. And I'm not saying that just because Virginia just lost the game. Where be- whatever. Listen, if, if, if for some reason, you know, it had gone the other way, I I, I would understand folks who would say the same thing. I, all my my point about this is is that it's twofold. You have the group of people I started I oh God, this was like twenty minutes ago and I started to say <laughs> You have a group of people who look at this game and go, you know what, it was definitely a travel, this is wrong. Then you have the group of people who say it doesn't matter because Virginia let him back in the game anyway. Blah 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 blah. Both true. Both of them can be true, and yet at the same time that's both neither one of them are just the point alone. Like yeah. I, my dad used to always say, you know, if you score enough points, ain't a referee in the world can take a game from you, and that's true to an extent. Um, <laughs> Except when they do. But th- but there are definitely situations, and uh, you know, last week, anybody who listens to this podcast religiously, I was I kind of poo pooed the idea that like, okay, well, it's a big deal. The Duke gets better calls at home than they do on the road, and I'm not I'm not going to sit up here with a tinfoil hat and talk about <laughs> conspiracies and how blah blah. I know there are plenty of people on message boards and and on Twitter and and in the world who will do that. My point is watching it live. I don't know if it's the environment that affects the the officials. I, I don't know what it is, but it definitely is a. It's definitely a thing. Now, why it is a thing, I'm not sure. And I understand that the people who, who who cover those teams in the triangle get tired of hearing about it, but it's a thing. Um, like it's a real thing. Like I know I poo-pooed it last week, but I'm watching it like here. Uh, and just seeing it through that 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 lens, I mean, those I must have
1: been, been some good seats, man. <laughs> I mean, because, change your perspective. Seats. Well,
0: it's like there were a couple plays. Like I watched Matt Jones on a couple of plays, I mean, he is like he's like running around screens and grabbing dudes and using them as like essentially like Sonic used to use like in the Sonic catch-all game. Like he <laughs> would use a little tires and like you know bounce off of them and go real fast. Like that's how Matt Jones uses dudes when he's coming off screens, like. There were some times where he like literally just grabs Malcolm Brogdon and and he's just kind of standing there. And yeah. I wonder too, like, in a game like that where it seems like you can be really, really physical. And then at times you can't be. Like you can't do that against Brandon Ingram. He's like a buck oh five soaking wet. You know, like you you bump him, you're g- the world's gonna know it. You can't do that to Grayson Allen. He'll head he'll head whip all over the place. You can't do that to Luke Kennard, you know? <coughs> but you can do that to Anthony Gill. You can do that to Malcolm Brogdon. You can do that to to even to, to Isaiah Wilkins to some expe- extent, um, and, and so I understand I understand why people who cover those teams get tired of hearing about it. But I also think too maybe maybe it's not necessarily like this idea that like the ACC wants them to do blah 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 blah. I just think it's human nature. I think they get in those environments like that where the the, the walls seem to be closing in on them, and they get they get tunnel vision. And they get used to they get used to calling the things that they think they're going to see versus the thing they going they actually saw. That's always been my biggest uh, grief, uh, my biggest uh, gripe with uh, with um, with basketball officials at every level. Because this is true, like the foul call for a guy going to the rim that you know is about to get fouled. You weren't in a position to see whether he did or not. Okay, all you did was you saw body movement that you thought looked like a foul. That's not the same thing as seeing a foul. Um, there were a couple times where you would literally see a, a ball bounce off the rim. I guy got the rebound, and then the whistle blew for the foul on the on the shot. And like, that's just not right. Um, and, and it's funny to me because you'll see these officials come together and talk, and, and like the commentators. Please, everybody out there, just mute the commentators from now on. Okay? They don't do you any good. I promise you. Like, don't bring. And I hate when the stuff brings it back to the board. I can't stand watching re, like rewatching games on TV. Anyway. Um, well, actually, you know what? You can listen to the play-by-play guy, but don't listen to anything the co- color commentator says. And I don't care who he is. Um,
1: Unless it's Doris Burt. No, Doris Burt's actually really, really good. <laughs> She's really
0: good. Uh, at some point, we're going to start talking about the other <laughs> game, right? Um, but no, like, like... It, it, the commentator will say, "Oh, there's a great job by the officials to come, like what to do their job to, co- to 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 communicate with each other and talk about what they think they saw." But like, why don't they do that more often? Because you know, you know full well that the time that the dude is 30 feet away from it and rushes in to call a foul, that the guy standing right there was like, "Dude, what? That wasn't no a foul." You know, there are tons of times where that happens, and that's why I'm saying, put somebody in the in the booth who has who I mean listen we have this replay technology maybe not the booth maybe he sits at the scorer's table give him a monitor and a little box with a little, with a little spinny thing and let him do his job let him call the game using his instead of using his eyes and running up and down the floor let him actually watch the game on the sideline and you know what if he calls some fouls and it changes the game a little bit it won't be any worse than freedom of movement that and that you know so, anyway, so we've done 25 minutes now on literally, like right on the dot. When I said that, we've done 25 minutes on on, on the officiating part of it. I'll, if I'll, you'd
1: have thought that was instigated by Brad Franklin and not me a week
0: ago, I, I would know, have right? paid you good money. And, <laughs> anybody who listened to that podcast, <laughs> listen to 141 are going to be listening to 142, like, whoa, what happened to him? <laughs> a day in Durham happened to him. The catwalk. <laughs> um, I will say this, too. I think that Malcolm Brogdon in the last two games, as I don't want to say he's locked it up because he's got a lot, there's a lot, there's still miles to go before you sleep. But I think he's locked it up in a lot of ways. I mean,
1: yeah, if he does that against Carolina, it's over.
0: Yeah, I mean, between Brandon Ingram and Cat Barber, I mean, could you think about two dudes who are more polar opposite than those guys, and yet for him to shut them both down the way he did?
1: And Grayson,
0: I mean, mean, he shut down Grayson. Well that's true. I mean, that yeah, and that's the thing is, um, you know, it's funny. Remember that it wasn't that long ago. People like wondering if he had the spark. Remember that those people oh, yeah. on the message board sparked and and Well, he still number. yawns before just, every tip-off. Well, he he was on the I bench love. the other night. Uh, last night, yawned. He I I, th- I saw him yawn twice and I kind of laughed at it. Mm-hmm. Um let's move on to the state game. I mean, I think that the Duke thing has been kind of covered. I mean, listen, Virginia has has a lot of uh, a lot of good things going for him right now, but there are also some 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 warts. What they Yeah, did, they did enough to win. It.
1: I, I want to add one thing. It was very exciting. If you'd have if you told me 5 years ago that we would beat Duke and that's the closest I've seen the ru- come to rushing the court since '95. <laughs> like they wanted to get down, they were so excited. So it's nice that beating Virginia means that much now, even if it was a cheat.
0: <laughs> even if even if he's not really, really ready yet to <laughs> admit that it actually happened in real life. Yeah. All right. Let's let us let us talk about last night's game. I, I really thought that it was in. It was. I, I don't want to see the ceiling for them because I think they can be better um, over the course of an entire game but i think in the moment in terms of that second half that that was re- that was some really good virginia basketball um yeah. not just the bro- not just the defense that they that Brogdon and they and it, you got to give them credit on the help too i mean guys were in i mean listen you were not getting through um i saw somebody on twitter refer to it as a cul-de-sac like that's exactly it feels like you're driving into a cul-de-sac you just all of a sudden it's over and you're like oh crap where am i supposed to go um that's what Virginia has to be in order to win a national championship. They have to be good enough offensively to to, 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 just, rip the, to, to just rip the nets up. And then defensively, they have to, they have to be able to have um, guys just spreading out, roadblocking, essentially cutting off um, penetration. Uh, I thought at the beginning, like Tony said, it was, he said it was disturbing, which I thought was a great quote. Um, what they did early but then for them to come back in that second half and play as well as they did um considering who they're playing against like i know it might seem like but nc state's not a bunch of schmoes like they're they're not a very good team but they got a lot of good options um and you know not just barber i mean barber's really really good and barber has improved a lot i mean he was never a good shooter uh he was never really a a a guy who were really worried about even in the mid-range he was great at getting to the rim um Man, he has he has really improved. And I know for a lot of Virginia fans who watch Brogdon on him, you're like, oh, he's not that great. But like, trust me, he was he's on a tear. He's still gonna be in the conversation for player of the year. But um I, I just thought that what Brogdon did in both games, um, you know, to me, uh just just really solidified uh, his his place among that group, which is funny because it wasn't that long ago, I probably would have said he wasn't even first team. I mean, he is he's come on so strong. Um, and so emphatically, and I'm, like and I mentioned on the board, he's done it in front of people in the triangle. Like, I know folks are – and I, maybe it's a thing. But, like, I know folks are, like, thinking that, that, the, that the Carolina media sticks together. I don't think that they necessarily stick together. I think that they just go on what they go on. And There's a lot of that a lot is – Well, it's not. Yeah, there's that. But I think it's also like, how do they play? It's it's almost always going to be how you play against the Carolina teams. You can go out and you can you can beat up on BC and Syracuse and Florida State and Miami and Clemson. But if you can't bring it when you get to the Triangle, you're just not going to be able to to have any kind of traction among media, um, my media brethren around the conference. It's just that's just the way it has been. It's the way it is, and it's the way it'll probably always be. So to me let's 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 think about it like this. Um Virginia now has some I mean listen the schedule's not going to get easier. <laughs> um they they do get a week off uh, until they go down to Miami. Um a, and as we all know that can be a a hell of a joint to have to try to get a win in. Um I sh- unfortunately will not be going this year. Um also for the record I have seen Virginia win on the road. So anybody who <laughs> so come on pete give <laughs> no, me <him> a break <laughs> seriously pete give me a break um yeah like i have seen virginia win on the road okay i have uh i've been around you know a long you were time. at the acc tournament yeah that's right i was there i won i watched them win an, uh, a conference yeah. championship um i was also there. <laughs> i was also there in new york city that night but anyway um <laughs> so so like stop trying to ban me from going places Okay, yeah. but anyway um so yeah, I won't, I won't be at this Miami game, but I it, I think it's going to be a very interesting one. Um, Virginia does get obviously a week off. Uh, Miami is is playing uh, tonight, or excuse me, tomorrow night, um, and then they got to play. Damn, Miami's going to play two more games before they. Gotta <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. They got to play in,
1: in the second one, Carolina. Yeah, the
0: second one's Carolina at Carolina. So they got to play. They yeah, that's that's their last uh, Saturday Monday uh, deal. They got to play Saturday in Chapel Hill. And then they got to turn around, come back home for Virginia. Kimpom right now has, has that game basically dead even 64 63 Miami. Um, you know, I, I, like, I like that matchup for Virginia in, in a variety of ways. But listen, if Virginia was that, is playing that well against Cat Barber, I wonder what it'll be like against Angel Rodriguez because they're similar players. I think Cat is, is probably faster, but I think Angel is craftier and definitely a much more likely guy to spot up and shoot. The question is going to be: uh, What do they get from Sheldon McClellan, uh, Devon Reed, uh, and Jaquan Newton? I think that those are the pieces to me. Like uh, at least, at least this is a game where you can play Mike Tobey in some extended minutes because of Tanya and But as long as. Uh, uh, Cruz Uceda isn't coming out, you know, ripping up the nets at the stretch. Four, then I think you're in a good spot. But it's worth noting that you know, right now Miami top 30 in both uh, offensive and defensive efficiency. So I mean, this is not a uh, an easy game for the Cavaliers by any stretch.
1: There you go. Who's top 12 in both?
0: Um, yeah, that's true. Top 12. <laughs> top. You know, th- their defense is actually up to ninth. Yeah. Which what was it like? F- like 40 something? Like not that yeah. long ago. That's yeah. just nuts to me. Uh, so yeah, they get they get Miami in a week, um, a week from from last night, and then they get five day. Then they have a five day break before they come back home for North Carolina, and then they have two more to finish out the year at Clemson, uh, at quote at quote unquote at Clemson, um, <laughs> and then you finish it out with Louisville. Which I mean, who knows what that Louisville team is going to be like by the time the season finale regular season finale comes around? Because um, man, they are they are in a world of hurt. I mean, I saw some Patino quotes the other day. Talking, he's not really sure what his guys are playing for.
1: Clearly not him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, if Pat Forty's talking about him. Maybe you know, having a you know, might want to look around a little bit. Yeah, I wouldn't
1: be surprised if Louisville saying, "Yeah,
0: it wouldn't be a bad idea." Right? Well, it might. It might. You know, the idea being that it might mitigate some of the. Uh, we already stuff got Patino. Well,
1: we don't need. We don't need two of you.
0: Yeah. Um, the other thing I thought that was very impressive about that game last night was the way. I mean, Tony Bennett said he didn't talk to Leonard Perantis about, you know, looking for a shot more or, you know, or they didn't make it a focal point. Um, but, you know, after he, he doesn't take a three, he comes into that game and does what he did, um, which, I mean, there was this one part of the game where, I mean, like, I he, he was like – I don't want to say he was like Steph Curry, but he he was definitely in that rarefied, like, anything he threw up there you just thought was going to go in. Um, what did he make, five of eight from, from deep? Yeah, he looked um, like
1: he did at Tech in the second half. I mean – not just not all in a row like that. But yeah, he's he five for eight. He's ripping it up. At least two from
0: deep. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that one. He took. uh There was one he missed actually in the first half, and like they were on a run um in the first half, and you just felt like the the whole place would have exploded if he had made it. I guess we 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 teased this earlier, but like so so you were going to go to the game and you were going to be able to sit courtside.
1: Yeah, I usually get to uh, um, a buddy of mine his. Uh, long so he gets courtside tickets for that game because he's he's a, a wolf pack guy and someone he does a lot of work for is a virginia grad um yeah i've said courtside there just about every year that nc state's played it at, at jpj just couldn't go last night because of the weather that's all right they ended up i think they ended up sitting a couple rows back because some more guys came up for richmond with
0: them because justin justin anderson stole their cha- their seats is that what you're saying no
1: they sit on the other side but, uh. We sit closer to John when we sit over there, <laughs> <laughs> to Mr. Grisham.
0: No.
1: It's um, cool, but it's not as fun as you think it'd be. Anyway, um,
0: well, I, t- I will say this: like when I like at the ACC tournament, one of my favorite things about going to the ACC tournament early was to was to go to those cr- those crappy games earlier in the week that nobody wanted to go to, and like sit down on the floor. I mean, like it's just fun to watch a basketball game. Um, yeah. But you know, I also can understand too. Like if you're if you're pulling hard for a team and you can't see the whole floor, it sucks.
1: Well, I don't. It's not so much you can't see the whole whole floor. It's just if you step forward, you might trip a referee. That's
0: <laughs> that's close, man.
1: That's close. That's true. Yeah, can't, can't go, no, go I mean, out. I like the I like the way we played last night. I mean, I, I expected us to be a little flat to come out, and I knew you knew NC State was going to throw everything they had at us. Um, I couldn't agree more about. I, mean, I think it's between Allen and and Brogdon now. I think the fact that not only did did Cat not score well against Brogdon, but he also was a non-factor, like setting up his teammates. Like, I don't think you can be that, <laughs> you know. He and he didn't do anything on the defensive end. I mean, that, that was a really bad game for for Cat's chances at one of the def- you know uh, player of the year. Um, I don't know. Uh, last night, I was really disappointed that that Perantes wasn't a little more um, assertive in in Durham, but yeah when you go back and watch the game, and I tried to watch most of it as much as I could without getting sick to my stomach knowing the ending. Um, it, they they defended him really well, and he, you know it's not like he, he didn't pass up a whole lot of easy shots. He passed right. up a couple, but um, when he's assertive like that, I don't even know if it matters if he makes them all. Um, at this point, you know, we're three quarters, oh, even further than that, into the season now, and he's still leading the country in three-point shooting. Hey, guys are going to... Re- you know, respond to him just like we respond. What's the guy's last uh, going? Is that his name? The kid last night. Um, Rowan? I, mean, I think he Rowan, Yeah, I mean Maverick. he shot what like, nine three pointers. Got so we reacted to all nine of them because he could hit the next one. So it's there's something about just taking it that helps open up the the team. Um, I mean, the, I think we saw this week was interesting. You know, the, these two games were interesting. You Virginia is very good. There's no there's nothing missing from this team that will be the reason they don't win the title. I mean, there's not, there's enough there to win it against this year's crop of teams. If everything goes well. Um, but there's also, I think against Duke, you saw where despite, yeah, you know, I'm happy with what we have. I mean, I, I like the guys we bring. I like the fact that most of them stay four years and, and sometimes longer, you know, that, that team you get, but, you saw at Duke, and with Duke playing that extended pressure defense, I think you saw how much we missed an athlete like Justin. Like That's why I mentioned kind of early in the game on Twitter, I thought Darius Thompson might have to be a big factor. Because um, you know, Brogdon's, Brogdon's quicker than you think, but he's not scary fast. Um, there's, we've got guys who can, who can make moves, but you know so we don't have that NBA-level athlete. We've. I think Brogdon could be an NBA player, but he's not an NBA level wing athlete. And I'm trying to say this without sounding derogatory, but you know we don't have an Ingram. And to some extent, you know, Allen's probably more athletic than anyone on our on our wing. Um, now, you know, I think that was a blatantly apparent at Duke. That's not a reason that this team can't win at all, but it's also a reason this team couldn't go undefeated, you know, in a season. So it's. It hurts because you you see Justin on the sideline last night and that's kinda where I bring it up. Just thinking about what we could be with him. Maybe we wouldn't you know, who knows what would have happened, but you know, good or bad.
0: Well let me let me play devil's advocate for a hot second, okay? One of the things that, that this team needed clearly going into the year was three point shooting. And I wonder if Justin was around, would we have seen what we saw from London? And the reason Yeah, I asked that question. Isn't necessarily to say like, oh, well then, well London wouldn't have been what he is, so you wouldn't want to do that. But my point is like a lot of those, a lot of the, a lot of the offensive production they get from London, they probably would have gotten from Justin, right? So it's almost a wash. The difference that you're speaking of is that having that explosive kind of athlete, um, just like Darius is a a very talented athlete, but he's not an explosive athlete. He's not a, a, a physical presence the way justin was and so in a game like that one on saturday you're right justin could have made a huge difference and there are lots of times like that but there have also been games this year where i think having a third true ball handler on the floor has been a huge plus i I don't think they get back in that west virginia game without having true third you know real ball like ball handlers i mean if you think about it brogdon has become uh you know kind of i don't want to say open uh for business um but he's, he's he doesn't because he doesn't have to carry any of that ball handling stuff because they can use Thompson or, or Hall as well as Ferrantes with it. I think that opens him up. Now there are definitely situations where he he initiates offense, but that's not the same thing as being the guy who has to handle the pressure. Um, to me, that's about you know where you want your offense to start and end up. Um, so I, I understand completely what you're saying, and I don't disagree. I think this team with Justin is a completely different animal. Um, but I also think that it's it you can't quite make an apples to apples because there are some things that that wouldn't necessarily equal out. Like yeah, like and the the three point th- th- I think
1: that's what there. I was trying to say. I mean, there, there's games where I don't think this team could be undefeated because not having him. But I don't know if that not having him is a reason. You know, is a reason we can't win at all. Is what i getting at. There's you're going to run into not many teams. I don't think Duke would have been able to do what they did against a Saturday anywhere other than in Cameron. Um, they got away with a lot. Like, as you mentioned, they, they were very physical, way out from the basket. And the refs didn't call it early, and I knew it was going to be. I mean, that's a really. When you look at the course of the season, that was probably their best defensive effort of the year. Um, we played into their hands a bit by being too passive and not. You know, maybe, you know, I, w- I don't want to say flop, but you know run fall down when you when that screen's moving or you know throw back when they, when they're holding well, your arm well, It's arms not you just that it's like it's screen. like when
0: there's contact instead yeah. of just taking it and fighting through it is um you, you know is is actually not necessarily acting like you got hit but when you get hit not fighting through it you know what i mean yeah. like there's a there's that there's a subtle difference there and to me you're right i mean justin in that situation i think in that game saturday would have been a huge help because one he would have been able to take a lot of punishment um, you know, he would have given them, I think, uh, another really strong guy that could have gone to the rim a little bit more. Um, it would have. He he clearly by the end of his Virginia career, um, he was really starting to stretch teams out. And just in the just the thought process of if Perantes has improved to the point he has. And I mean, I guess you can also make the counter argument. Well, it's with the reps he's gotten that he was able to to really improve and so maybe he wouldn't have gotten those reps if, if Anderson was still there. But the idea being that if you had three guys like that with that much experience who could all stretch the team, what would that do for Anthony Gill? You you literally couldn't I, I don't think you'd be hard pressed to stop him. I think one of the things Virginia the biggest mistakes they made Saturday was not going to Gill more often and trying to get uh, I mean, Plumlee... Yeah, I Plumlee think played, got an early foul. Yeah, I mean, I think he played pretty good defense, but he wasn't playing great defense. And I didn't think Virginia tried enough to get the ball inside. And that's, I think, been a thing for them. Um, you know, and, the, and then the, the, the thing that that actually made me think of Saturday, you know, driving back, was, okay, well, but, you know, next year, like, with Brogdon gone... Austin Nichols is going to have to carry a lot of it. I mean, clearly Perron will too. But, like, they're going to have to get the ball inside next year. They're not going to have a choice. And I understand that, like, they're <laughs> going to have some different pieces. But Malcolm Brogdon is not going to be able to be there just to, to initiate the Brogdon show. And I yeah. thought Saturday there were too many times where guys were just kind of standing around watching. I didn't really yeah. feel like they were. As the ball did not move in the Duke game the way the ball moved last night. And I know that the difference of opponent did that. But I also understand, too, that I think Virginia has to make a more concerted effort to get the ball inside. I think that has to be a bigger thing for them if they really want to, you know, make a deeper postseason run.
1: Yeah, I'll say. I mean, I am not trying to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, it's just it's there were especially early in that game. I think late in the game we adjusted, we made some changes the way we were running our sets that you know allowed us to get space and um, you know we we did everything we could uh, after that bad start. I saw initially when they were you know they were covering our every one of the guys. You know, the three guys out they were. They were on them beyond the three-point line, and you don't do that if you have a fear that your guy's athletic enough to make one step and get to the rim from that point, you know, without someone else being able to come come cover. So it's it kind of that lack of fear of the athleticism that hurt us more than the actual lack of actually having it. It's, uh, And it's, you know, it's we've got... Look, Brogdon is a great player and um, very savvy, and I think the way we adjusted, the way we were initiating our offense in that little run... Uh, you know, it's, it's a learning curve and, you know, every, every, when you, look, I just want to win at Duke, I mean, it's kind of like, <laughs> now it's our next thing, you know, we've won the ACC tournament since we've won at Duke. Um, whoa. sorry, if you heard some popping, I'm sorry, I don't know what's going on with my headphones here. It's okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think we're the the fact that the team came out and played like they did in the second half was on, uh, know uh, yeah, last night it was very encouraging to me and it'll be interesting to see. I'm a little worried about the layoff. Um, I do like the fact that we're a veteran team and I'm guessing there's gonna be some pretty good scrimmages this week. (laughs) That's a, but uh, my quick research, I mean, I think the last time we had a seven day layoff was a 2012, 2013 season. Yeah. Once conference play started and we didn't do too good that season, but this wasn't quite the same team either. So, um, you know, it's, the roads ahead of us, I think, you know, it's, as like you mentioned, it's four tough games left. But I think looking at everyone else's schedule, if we take care of business, you know, I think if Virginia wins out, I have a hard, unless Carolina just has a remarkable end the season, which means they'd pretty much have to beat Duke twice and beat us, you know, which means, it, which wouldn't happen if we went out. You know, if we went out, we'd pretty much have the ACC, unless, unless UNC wins every other game except playing us. Right. right. Um, and if you'd have told me that when we were two and three, I would have been pretty happy.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the fun thing about a season is is, is it usually continues on. Uh, I think that's a good place to, to put a pin in it. We will uh, obviously ke- check back with you next week um, as we get ready for what will be obviously a stretch run, uh, Virginia's final four games of the ACC regular season, and then the setup for what that all means for the ACC tournament uh, up in D.C., I uh, want to thank everybody out there for uh, their continued support of the show. I uh, appreciate you guys uh, checking us out both uh, in the embeds on, on the board as well as on iTunes. Um, the, again, the numbers are, are really strong, so I really appreciate the folks out there giving us a listen. I also want to thank uh, Dave for being back on the show and uh, Ferber who couldn't be with us tonight because something about uh, he had to stay at his real job too long. Um, hopefully he'll be able to join us next week and give us his unfiltered uh, Grayson Allen traveling um, Things. he's going to listen to this tomorrow and be like god you guys spent like 20 minutes on on officiating uh, it and just kind of happened you, it was or i mean it was kind of I, I got fired <laughs> up there for a while i'm not gonna lie um but anyway uh <laughs> before i get going again let's let's end this thing uh <laughs> for david spence i'm brad franklin publisher calves thanks for coming out we'll see you soon